Welcome to Momhood. It's Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, Momhood. How are you? This is such an exciting day, Brandy. I know. I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. My parents are in town, so I just feel like I'm in this like kind of like hybrid vacation world right now. I love that. But it's bad because I'm so busy with work. So I like need to figure out how to balance the next two weeks with them here and not looking at my phone the whole time. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. What about you? I'm good. I'm the same. I've been, been overwhelmed with work. It's a lot. The re-entry into like other work in addition to what sort of was created here at home work-wise. So it's a lot. I'm definitely feeling like overwhelmed and have days where I'm not doing so great, but I'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm shooting all this week at home and it's going to be bonkers, but I'm so excited about this interview. It's one of those conversations that I feel like totally took me by surprise. Yeah. So we interviewed today, Susan Yara, who you might know just either from her, her social media, because she's a huge beauty and skincare influencer or from her, um, her business called mixed makeup, her YouTube channel called mixed makeup. She's hugely successful. And we were like, it's so funny. We were like, we'll do a little bit of like the backstory and we'll just like get her story. And then we'll get right into like marriage and motherhood and, and business and And her her skincare line, her story, you guys. We're, this is this is like an October Gonzalez situation. We need to do a two-parter because her story, her life story involving her parents and her childhood and her young adulthood is so fascinating. I cannot wait for you to hear this. It's so good. It's like a movie. And we just, we were so captivated listening to her tell the story. And it's, I think you guys are going to just be like curled up listening to this interview, like the best, juiciest book. Like there is so much goodness in this interview and I'm so excited for part two. Yeah, we're stoked. So a quick disclaimer, guys, two things we just want to mention to you. Number one, there's a little bit of cussing in this one. So if you are in the car with your kids, this is going to be one you might want to listen to on your own. Or just wait till they fall asleep. Because I know the only reason you guys are in your car is you're just going through drive through somewhere just so that they're strapped in and you can actually get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait till uh, they fall asleep. Right, exactly. Uh, so number one, and then number two, there were a couple of issues just like with her microphone. She was trying to reorganize it to make sure it was working. And so you're going to hear a little bit of like, kind of, it sounds like she's touching the microphone. We get it sorted out probably about 20 minutes in. So just be patient with us. First 20 minutes, there's a couple of audio issues. Um, but it's nothing that's going to ruin the interview. It's so good. So we'll, uh, we'll shut up and we'll, we'll let you listen and enjoy. You say momhood? Momhood. <gasps> Funny. so excited to have you on Momhood. I'm so excited. I love both of you. You have the best conversations. I still think about our conversation on the last time that we recorded together. So this is exciting. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun conversations. I feel like every time we chat, like there's always all these inside jokes after that and it just continues to build. Um, But Susan, today on Momhood, I just want to learn more about you. I feel like so many people know you as this amazing businesswoman, entrepreneur that has built such incredible brands um, and is such a huge face of of so many things that we're going to get into. But I want to talk about where you come from. You actually posted something on Instagram, and I'm going to put a link below in the description for everyone, where you kind of gave us a peek behind the curtain, so to speak. You kind of gave us a like insider a scoop, a, um, a very intimate, raw post about where you come from. 
And just reminding everyone that we see these beautiful curated highlight reels of people and we see them get to that, you know, overnight success so quickly. But um, so many of us have overcome so much and, and started somewhere and you're from a small town in New Mexico. Tell us a little bit about your childhood and what, what, what that was like. Um, well, I, I, you know, Orly, I don't know your background completely, like what your ethnicity is and where you grew up, but I know Brandy for sure. You grew up yeah. with that whole mixed ethnicity, um, growing up Arizona, right? Yeah. So probably very similar to what I experienced in a lot of ways because we're both from the Southwest and <clears throat> sorry, we're both from the Southwest and we, uh, you know, there aren't that many, uh, Asian in general people, much less a half Asian so a lot of people don't realize that I come from a little town outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico. And when I say little town, like the population was like 8,000. Um, wow. So it was like itty bitty. Like my graduating class, I think was like 48 people. Get out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I can't even imagine that. Oh my God. How, mm-hmm. That's, I don't know. I think that's cute, but that's because <laughs> I grew up in, you. no, that's because I grew up in LA. So like the thought of that, I'm like, God, that's so sweet sounding, you know, but yeah. Well, it's, it, you know, when I look back on it, it is, but it's not really because everyone knows your business and, you know, anything that you feel as far as like, you know, like the cliched, like high school drama situations, like all of that is elevated because, you know, everyone knows everyone. So it's not like you can go like hide out with like a whole other group of people in school or something like that. You are stuck with whatever is happening. So, right. um, I grew up, um, not just uh, mixed ethnicity. So my dad is uh, my dad is Mexican. My mom is Korean. Like being from New Mexico, the culture <laughs> it's hard to explain it actually. So uh, New Mexico was part of Mexico for a good portion of time before it became part of the United States. So my father's family and my ancestors have been there for a very very long time. So whenever people are like, "What part of Mexico Mexico are you from?" It we can't actually say because we're from New Mexico right? Like we're from what used to be a Mexican territory. So the family has just been there forever. Like we even have a ranch that we, that my like great, great, great grandfather homesteaded and stuff. So, you know, like we've been there forever. So it's an interesting culture. Um, so my dad is American really when it comes down to it. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, but New Mexico has, I think like the majority of the population is Latino. Um, and so even when you're like white, you're actually the minority in New Mexico. So I grew up uh, you know, with predominantly Latino culture. And even though my mom is Korean, she fully embraced the Latino culture and she was, was all about it. Was it a mix of the two or did, did it sort of default to more of the Hispanic culture or did you have a mix of both? Uh, it was, it defaulted to, to my dad's culture, to my, wow. my dad's side. And there, that's because my mom has a really, you know, she's got kind of a sad story. She was born and raised in Seoul and Seoul, South Korea. And she um, has kind of like a, she has a sad relationship with her, with her father. You know, she chose a path that wasn't, you know, it was frowned, it was frowned upon because she decided to, well, she ended up getting pregnant from an American man, my dad, who also happens to be Hispanic, right? So that, that like wow. added a whole other, that added a whole other layer to it. And, um, where, and did, where did they meet? Where did that happen? So my dad was in the military and um, he, my mom actually, they did not meet in Korea. A lot of people think that they met in Korea, but they actually met in Texas when my oh dad Oh my gosh, was, my parents, they always think that my dad found my mom in the Philippines. They also <laughs> met in Texas, which is so random, but that's funny. Yeah, oh they met in Texas because my mom, um, you know, she 
she grew up in this really strict um, Korean household. And um, she really like all through high school and everything, she was not allowed to do anything except go to school and do all of her extracurricular activities. And so she graduated from high school and um, they, she was essentially betrothed. Like she, you know, they, they, I think we think about this with like Indian culture and stuff, but they pretty much knew who my, they wanted my mom to marry. And he was like this older businessman, sort of wealthy and stuff. It would make, you know, like bring honor to the family, that kind of situation. And she was like, fuck that. Yes. Wow. Ahead of her time. That's great. (laughs) Well, I think she, you know, she had my grandma. My grandma is a, she was a strong willed woman and she had her own situation where, you know, she, after she had my mom, she ended up having, she got sick and she had a hysterectomy. So she could not have a son. And it led to a lot of, you know, a lot of drama with, uh, with her and my grandfather because they, um, because she couldn't bring a son into the family, um, they eventually got a divorce and he married someone else and had children with that woman. And it brought this whole, you know, it, it made her feel very, I guess she was very just, you know, disheartened by the whole culture that this would well, be yeah. a thing, you know? And, and your mom was the one daughter? the one daughter. So that, I mean, the, the, the mind fuck that also has to be that like, you were so not enough Mm -hmm. that it was enough to leave this marriage where I could go get enough. Like Mm -hmm. that, what, what that might, what that must play on you in your subconscious and how you sort of develop who you are based off that. I can't even imagine. But you know what I'm taking away from this too, as soon as you were saying your grandmother was strong-willed, your mom was, you certainly are, you know, like these traits of just being independent, going against the grain. It's interesting how those positive traits are passed down. Mm -hmm. I see so much of that in you and I, can't wait to know more about that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, you know, it's true, right? Like our, our mom's, are they kind of represent what we end up becoming right it's weird when you start being like oh my god i'm being i'm just i can imagine my mom saying that or doing that (laughs) it feels so weird um but anyway so my mom um she kind of made a deal with her parents she was like you know i just graduated i'm gonna marry this guy for you don't worry but can i do like a big trip on my own because you know i haven't done anything so she got, she basically went and visited a friend who had married a guy in the military um, and they were living in Texas. So she went to go spend, I guess, like the summer or something. I, I've never really t- stopped to think about when this might've been, but she went to visit her, her, her friend and she met my dad. Um, he was buddies with her friend's husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, he, if you talk to my dad, he thinks he was Casanova. Like he thinks that he could just get any chick he wanted. Um, and, you know, he saw my mom, he was like, so wait, you know, I'm into this. Um, and I, rem- you know, like some of their stories are hilarious. Like she said that on their first date, he put his hand on her thigh in the car and she was like, what? the fuck, you know? Um, but I guess, you know, eventually he slipped in, right? Like he got in there because Whoa. she ended up, she went to Korea and she was pregnant with me and didn't know it. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Stop it. So yeah. This she, is a movie. Okay. You yeah. need to have your mom on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because we need to hear like from her and all of these stories because like that's not even the entire story. That's just like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, she, I know. She, so, you know, like she obviously got back to Korea and she was like, oh, fuck, you know, like what, what do I do now? Because, 
you know, wait, do we, can we cuss on your, I'm cussing a lot. I'm realizing. Okay. No, um, you're okay. So, <laughs> That's all right. We'll give a disclaimer at the top yes. of the episode. Yes. Don't listen to this one with your kids in the car. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So she gets, she, uh, she gets, uh, she gets back to Korea, realizes she's pregnant. Um, and you know, back then this is like, I was born in 1981. So yeah, so this is like 1980. Uh, there's no internet, you know, there's no getting in touch with everybody. Um, she sends a handwritten letter to my dad and basically says, Oh, you know, turns out I'm pregnant. Shit's going down over here in Korea. I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. And my dad had already transferred to a new base at that point. And so she wasn't sure if like the letter got to him. She hadn't talked to him. There was just a Wait, whole and bunch. And where of- are your parents at now? Well, they're, they're together and they're married now. So there's a happy ending. No, 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 sorry. Not now, but then. So you just said that she wasn't sure where they were. No, where you're oh, da- yeah. where? So my mom's in Korea. My dad yes. is still in Texas. This was just like a summer fling, like a seasonal fling. Like my dad, you know, like he, I don't think he expected that he was going to be marrying this woman, right? Like it was one of those things where he was, was he like, still in Texas is what I meant. Like, where is yes. he at this point? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So my dad is still in Texas. My mom is in Korea. Um, so she, he, you know, she sends off this letter. Um, doesn't know if, if he's going to get it, whatever. Right. So she decides to have me in Korea. So I was born in Korea. Um, and then, you know, she went through this whole thing with my grandma where my grandma was like, okay, so now you're basically a misfit here in Korea. Like no one's going to marry you here. You've got a baby, you're like an illegitimate child. You should try to go back to the United States is what my grandma basically said to her. And she's like, in PS, when you go figure out a way to get me over there too. <laughs> because I hate it here, you know? Um, yeah. So, um, my mom marries a guy in the military, um, for a green card. Like my grandma was doing this like side business, this side hustle where she was, you know, like, I can't remember exactly, but she was, this is so good. I need popcorn and wine. I just want to be like this, just stuffing the saltiness and licking my fingers. Like, oh my God. I feel like I can't stop talking, but I have to stop talking. No, no, no. It's so you know, good. in movies, you always talk while the person, while you're watching yeah. the movie. And I keep biting my tongue because I'm like, no, no, she's not done. She's not done. <laughs> no. Well, so I think my grandma was doing like, she was working at one of those like money exchange kind of booths or something and she would do something like under the table where you know like you could exchange for American dollars or something like it was something along those lines right so she was meeting Americans all the time and she eventually like worked out a deal with this guy where um he would marry her bring me back bring my mom and me back to the United States um and then my mom could you know start to try to find my my dad basically uh, so oh okay, okay. So let me just make sure I understand. While your mom is still in Korea, your grandmother meets someone who they create this arrangement. So he offers to marry your mom so that both of you can come back to America, knowing that they're not really going to stay together. She's trying to find your father. Yeah. And Holy she, shit! This is the coolest story. And for ten months, she carried you by herself, went through this pregnancy, and had really no communication with your dad. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Continue. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my mom marries this guy. We come back to the United States with him. He turns out to be kind of a loser, which is, which is a shitty part of the story. You know, she said that she found herself in this situation where, you know, like this guy was like semi-abusive. He was definitely verbally abusive. Uh, he didn't like me (laughs) and she, you know, like she's not sure what she should do because she doesn't speak English that well at this point. She doesn't know where my dad is. Um, you know, she's like trying to get in touch with her friend and stuff who, 
uh, like she had, you know, like met my dad through essentially. Um, and so she just kind of like starts to, you know, like start to think like maybe she's not going to find my dad or maybe he just doesn't want to be found because he's not responding. Um, so she, you know, like she starts to really hate the relationship that she has with the guy that she had married. Um, and so one of her friends on the base tells her, well, you should complain about him to his superior mm -hmm. because if he's treating you badly, then, you know, you, you need to get out of that situation. Like it's a bad situation. So she does end up complaining. Uh, she ends up complaining to his superior and she ends up getting out of the house with me. Right. And so she feels so much better, but then she's, you know, on her own. She hasn't, you know, she doesn't even have like a college education at this point. Um, so she, I think she said that she started working at a restaurant. Um, so she starts working at a restaurant and she, yeah, and this story has changed a couple of times from my parents. So this is where it gets a little bit shaky about how they yeah. actually met, um, or how they ended up finding each other, but she claims that she was working at a restaurant and, um, one of the days, like one of her first days there, she goes to the back and my dad is working as a dishwasher. Yeah, this is what she says. I know this sounds too good to Stop. be true. Stop. You guys can't see us, but Brandy and I both have our mouths <laughs> on the floor, which is why there was an awkward pause there for We're a just minute. like holding our chins, like so engaged with this. Oh my gosh. Okay. And then what's the other version of the story? The other version was that they, that they found each other at a party. So there's something off in their story here, right? Yeah. But they found each other eventually. And I'm almost like, I think I was like nine, 10 months old at this point. Wow. And was your dad in the army? Yes. This he was point? still in the army, I think, when he, when, when they, you know what? I, that's I don't the know thing that's actually... rare is like, usually you're not allowed to have a side hustle, especially back then. Yeah. I wonder if, you know what? I need to go back through and, and clarify these things. Those are those things like when you hear the story when you're a kid, you don't really ask a lot of questions. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that sounds good, right? But as I've gotten older, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Something doesn't yeah. add up here, mom. Uh, <laughs> well, like, I mean, I think oh. the important takeaway is like they are then reunited. Mm -hmm. Like they find each other and your dad is like, I've been missing you this whole time. No, I want to. My dad is not. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's not that easy. My dad was in a serious relationship at this point. Oh, yeah. she. Yeah. And so my mom is just like, well, listen, um, I have your baby and I am so sick of it here. I had to deal with this one dude. He was terrible to me. Um, you know, I feel like I'm barely getting by. I barely speak English. You know, like she's, she's basically like, I, I need to just... I need you to make a decision or I'm going back to Korea. I cannot handle this. I'll go back to my mom. And my dad claims again, you know, like you don't ask a lot of questions when you're younger, but my dad claims that he met me and he just felt like he knew what he had to do. Um, and he said that he had always wanted kids young anyway. And so he was like, okay, let's do this. Let's get married and, and make this work. And they got married. And then um, did they have any more kids after that? Oh yeah, they totally did. They had, you know, so, okay. You know, long story, it's, it, it can get even longer, but, you know, so to wrap kind of the story up, my mom, uh, my, my, my mom and dad, it, you know, like it wasn't that easy, right? Like they had a lot of drama. Um, my dad also did not have a college education. So they were like coming at all of this with like, you know, what else, you know, what can we actually do together? Um, my mom though, that's that, I, I feel like that perseverance, that like strong will, like really shines through with my mom, you know, like that 
that just need to succeed in her and like do what's best for her family and stuff. Um, so my mom started working for a bank. She was essentially a bank teller and she started working her way through the ranks and stuff. And, um, you know, like she, and just like started getting like extra education here and there and everything. And my dad would pick up all these like odd jobs. So he would work like the nighttime shift, the graveyard shift, and he was a security guard. Um, and so she would work during the day, he'd work at night. And that's how they would like split their time watching me. And so um, they eventually had my middle sister, Veronica. She's about just a little under uh, like five years. She's like four and a half years younger than me. And then eventually had my other sister, Patty. And then eventually we adopted two of my cousins. Um, so we, we, had, we ended up having a pretty big family. I'm trying to think of how old you were at these times. So you had like a childhood with siblings. You weren't so much older than them that it was like you were already. The, the other part of it is that because they didn't have like their college education and my mom was start, trying to figure things out, we were really poor. You know, there was a very like big part of my childhood where we were very, very poor. Um, and, uh, and so when you have that, you grow up really fast. Like in some ways I became like the parent of the family because my parents were always working. So I was always home with my sisters, like to the point where when I went off to college my freshman year, my, my middle sister called me while she was in high school. It was like first or second week at college. And she was like, I'm just calling to see if I can get permission to go to so-and-so's house. And I was like, you need to ask mom and dad, not me. I'm not, I'm not your mom, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, so it was, you know, it was, it was, there was that part, like part of it where I just didn't, you know, it, it was like I had a childhood, but then not really because I was always taking care of my sisters too. Did you start working at a young age? Were you contributing to the home financially? Oh yeah. I started working at 12. I was a waitress, which, which when I look back on that, I'm like, okay, this is something that would only happen in a small town where- they In the wild, you. wild west yes. for sure. <laughs> yeah. There was a little diner in, uh, in the town that I was growing up in. Um, and, uh, and I would work as a waitress. I'd get up at like five o'clock in the morning, go like open the restaurant and it would be me and the chef. And that was it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and the money that you made, did that, like Brandy said, contribute to the household or were you able to buy yourself clothes and go I mean, have a dinner? Bit. You know, there's, um, it was a little bit of both. It was like, there's, there are like two portions of it. So I was working that I was actually working two jobs though, because my mom at that point had decided, uh, <laughs> this is like really going to age me. So my mom decided to open in this little town a, and she had done all these like lot, like little tiny businesses that failed. Like she tried to start a little flower shop. She tried to start, um, you know, what was like one of her failed businesses? She had all these like little ideas as I was growing up and none of them really worked out. And then the, the, there were two businesses that ended up working out for her. One was a video store. So she decided to open up a little video rental store in this little town because there, was, there wasn't one. Um, and this is like, you know, when Blockbuster was still a thing, there was no such thing as Netflix, obviously. Yeah. So I would manage the store for her on the weekends and in the evenings. And then I would, in the daytime, like in the mornings, I would go before school. And on the, on, in the mornings of the weekends, I would go and work restaurant shift. Oh my so, gosh. And how I, old are you at this point? 12. This is all at 12. This isn't like, no, holy mother. Yeah. This you is were, oh my gosh, you were working just as hard as you are now as a 12 year old kid. <laughs> you know, <sighs> but at 12, I guess if anything, um, when I look back on it, there were so many opportunities to get in trouble and I got in a lot of trouble for sure. Um, but there are a lot of, you know, people don't think about this in a small town. There's not much to do except to like do drugs and like fuck. 
Like that's mm-hmm. all you really do with other kids. Is that what, is that what trouble looked like? What, yeah. what, what was, what was, I got in trouble? What did that look like? Well, you know, there were, there were a lot of situations where, um, so there, there are a lot of things going on. So first off, I'll, I'll, I will throw out there when you grow up poor in the country, it's not as bad as growing up poor in the city, right? Like there's just a big, big difference. And now that I'm an adult and I've been able to like see the difference and everything, I, I actually feel very lucky that I grew up in the country because, you know, you still have like the open air and, you know, like, and a lot of people are actually really poor in the country. So it doesn't make you feel like you're that different, right? Like I definitely was on the like poorer end, but at the, at the end of the day, there were a lot of poor kids. So you just felt like that was the norm and that was cool and it's fine, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, but one of the, you know, like there are a couple things going on, right? Like we, we, it's a very predominantly Latino culture. And so there are a lot of gangs and stuff. And I, and I hate to say it like that because I don't want to say like, that's the correlation with being, you know, a Hispanic no. culture and stuff like that, but yeah. this plays a big part into it. So there are a lot of gangs and everything. And, you know, you could definitely like get into a lot of trouble with gangs or you can get into a lot of trouble with drugs. Um, and then there are just like the typical high school things too, boys, right? Like I remember getting to freshman year and like the older boys are suddenly interested and I'm also very different than everybody else, right? So all the girls hated me. All the guys were like interested in me. Um, yeah. So there are, there are a lot of things going on. And so like getting in trouble could mean a lot of things. And there are, I have so many stories, but like, you know, I was smoking pot at 12, right? Like I tried mushrooms for the first time when I was like 12 or 13. Wow. I lost my virginity at 14 because I was high and I woke up and there was a guy on me. Oh my God. That makes me sad actually. Yeah, that, no, I mean, there, there were a lot of moments in my childhood where I felt very sad and, um, you know, like freshman year of high school was kind of like where the, the majority of that stuff happened, where I realized I was very different from everybody because they made it very clear that I was very different because I'm first off the only Asian, even though I'm half Hispanic, um, you know, the, the kids in town didn't see me as that. They saw me as like the Asian kid. Right. Yeah. So it was like all the Asian jokes that they can come up with, they're throwing at me. I'm also really poor. Um, so the, and so, you know, when you think back on yourself as like a teenager too, you're like, I just want attention and I want people to like me and stuff. And so, you know, I was just trying to, you know, just kind of fit in wherever Susan, I could. What is some advice you would give your 13 or 14 year old self now looking back? I think back on it a lot and I, and I, I think it's really hard for teenagers to understand, you know, like you see all the movies and stuff like, like, Oh, it's going to be okay. Like the nerds always like come up on top and persevere and everything, but it's really hard to know that it is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I would, if, if I could go back, I think I would tell myself to, you know, just know that like all the emotions that I feel, they only matter then, but they're not going to matter in the future, you know? Yeah. Like they're real now, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't mean they're not real. They're real now, but mm-hmm. they won't be this real forever. Yeah. And you know, the thing that I wish I would, I wish my parents would have done. And I, and I think, I don't know if parents think about this, but you know, like my mom and my dad, they were very like open-minded and everything, but they never really explained to me, you know, like how I might feel losing my virginity, right? Mm-hmm. Like that you, like I kept hearing my, I, I grew up Catholic, right? So I kept hearing like, you can't do anything sexual until you're married, period. Right. 
Um, so then it's like, you're not really talking to your parents about all of that mm -hmm. stuff and everything. And I, and really what I think I, I wish I would have known was, um, that like, this is a special moment. And even though, you know, like in the future, you know, when you're whoring it up, <laughs> you, you might not feel like it's that special, but at that yeah. very moment when you're young and you're in a vulnerable situation, you're trying to get like attention from somebody. And, you know, like I, I, fully put myself in this situation, right? Where I was like with, with an older guy, I was in a bedroom making out with him, getting high, like that kind of situation. And like, I could have told my own teenage, you know, like as an adult, I could look at that and be like, I know exactly what's going to go down. But when you're a teenager, when you're 14 years old, you don't know yeah. how, how this is going to impact you. Right. Is that something that you think about now, especially having a little girl, you have a boy, oh, yeah. you have a girl now, um, I mean, that's certainly something that I think about too, because I came from a Catholic upbringing as well. And even though I had a strong, you know, line of communication with my dad and you just didn't talk about it. Yep. And, exactly. Yeah. So that guy was a terrible person. So, um, after that happened, I, I was like really sad about it and everything, but it was really what happened at school afterwards that made it really hard. And, and, you know, like I was already the different kid, right? Like it was, I was already like feeling like I was tortured by all of the other kids and stuff in school. And he showed up to school with my, with his underwear and they were bloody underwear. And he told everybody what happened and he didn't like give the whole story, right? Like he gave his own point of view, like, oh, well, I took her virginity cause she's a slut. Right. And, um, and it just like, what an this, asshole, what an asshole, right? What an asshole. Oh, but, oh my um, God. I'm it led to a pylon, right? The way that it made me feel for like months, right? My parents did not know what was wrong with me. Like I would go home, like I was in like severe depression, right? And I think about social media mm. now, like if this would have happened to me with social media, I think I, I think it would have been over for me. Like I was, I would have been one of those kids, you know, and it makes me so scared when I look at how social media has evolved. Did, oh my God, I have a stomach ache. Did you feel like because that was your first sexual experience, do you feel like it affected the way that you viewed your own sexuality and your own sexual relationships moving forward? A little bit. So, so this is, this was like a very, because, you know, all this weirdness was going on, I started becoming this, um, I started acting out a lot, like towards my parents and stuff. And they, they had no idea what was going on. And I was like shoving this like situation deep down, like secret. Like I was denying and denying and denying to everybody at school. Whenever they'd bring it up, I was like, no, that didn't happen. He wishes, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I was just like denying and denying and, but I was like really acting up at home and stuff and like just basically blaming my parents for everything. And so finally my mom was like, we need to talk. What is going on here? You know? And it turned out, you know, like my mom, hadn't really told me about like her whole situation with like marrying that guy to get a green card to come to the United States. Like all of that was like a really big secret within our family. So there were all these like little pockets of secrets in our family. And, um, and for some reason, whatever, you know, like when I had my own little situation and I finally like told my mom what happened, um, it opened this door to my mom finally like confessing to me, like all this thing, this things that she went through and stuff. And it suddenly like brought us together a little bit stronger. So then it opened up this relationship where I started to talk to my mom, um, mm. about what was going on and stuff. And I, and so instead of, um, you know, like having like a weird relationship with myself and my sexuality and everything, I, um, ended up funny enough. And I think it was because I denied, <laughs> like denied and denied. Right. Yeah. So things like kind of like 
went away after a few months. Not completely, but like, you know, I think like people moved on to the next drama or whatever. Of course. Um, and I started to date uh, one, of the, one of the guys I was growing up with in high school. And he was a freshman, sweet guy. Um, he was one of those kids that like, he was like really chubby in middle school. And then like he showed up freshman year and he was like ripped and everybody was like, <laughs> where'd he come from? Right. So he was really sweet because of that. Right. Like he wasn't, he was like this newfound, like kind of hot bod. Right. Um, so we started dating and we actually dated all the way until the beginning of senior year of high school. And that really actually helped me a lot because um, I was able to almost like just kind of be like a normal kid dating like one of the one of the guys who's like kind of like a popular guy Mm -hmm. in high school he was like athletic he was one of the like the school jocks and stuff but he was also just a really nice guy and so we were like high school sweethearts and that that really that honestly like helped me get through high school I, I love hearing that you sharing with your mom allowed her to share something she had been holding so close to her heart and it brought you guys closer together. Um, it just feels like this is your, you learned so many lessons then that you can apply to motherhood now with your kids. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us do. We are always trying to rewrite the story and just take the things that we loved that our parents did and, you know, carry on with our kids and the things that we wish they would have done differently and changed. And it's constantly like separating our story from their story, rewriting the story, you know, um, stopping certain generational trends and cycles that we don't want to happen. Um, So you go off to you, you're with your high school sweetheart. You guys break up right before senior year. Were you the first person in your family to go to college? Yes, absolutely. Wow. Where did yeah, you go? Uh, University of New Mexico. Go Lobos. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. What did you major in? Uh, communications. So did you always know you wanted to get into journalism and be in front of the camera or at least be a storyteller and, and a journalist? I always knew I wanted to be, I guess, an entertainer, but I was a terrible actress. Terrible. Like, I'm still a terrible actress. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, you know, one of the things I think when my mom and dad moved me to this little town, because so we were like, you know, on different bases in Texas, and then we moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is not a tiny town. It's like, you know, population, it's not a huge city, but it's like population of like a million people in New Mexico. And then we moved to this itty bitty town. And I think um, because we moved to that itty bitty town, I was, I was in middle school when that happened. Um, I think my mom had this realization that like, one, I just felt not creative whatsoever. There was, there was, there were no extracurricular activities besides sports for me to get involved in and stuff. And, you know, like the school you know, like choir and like all that kind of stuff that I had been doing um, before we moved to the small town that didn't exist in a small town. You know, like you just, you kind of just go with the flow and there's not much happening. Um, So I think my mom always felt bad because she knew that I wanted to be like a singer. I always wanted to sing. (laughs) And I was always singing. Like I was a kid that like, you know, in, you know, like in fifth grade, I remember my teacher, we came, we had this arrangement where if I did all of my work and I stayed on task all week on Fridays, I could do a performance for the, for the entire class at the end of the day. And I even like had fly girls and stuff like two girls in the class would dance for me and I would sing and I'd do like Paula Abdul, Janet Jackson, like that kind of stuff. That was my, that was my thing. I would perform (laughs) for everybody. I'm obsessed with this. What I wouldn't give for a little bit of home footage right now, for fuck's sake. That's incredible. What a cool teacher to foster that in you and and be like, let's do it. I know. I wish I knew that teacher's name. 
I'll have to look back on that one too. Just talk, just talking about all this stuff like makes you yeah. think like, God, I really the yearbook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so my mom always knew that I wanted to be, you know, an entertainer and there weren't very many opportunities for that in this small town. And, you know, she saw me go through this whole thing where I just like became, you know, like the opposite of what, you know, I had this like big personality, but then we moved to the small town and I felt like I was being bullied all the time and everything. So I just kind of like went into a shell. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like when I look back on like the guy I was dating as sweet and cute as he was and stuff like that was just me like being like, like hiding right under like a little rock and trying to, to wow. not get, you know, bullied anymore and stuff. And so I joined our dance team and for some reason the dance team really like brought my personality back out. Right. Yeah, yeah but, And, um, and so like by senior year, I was like, fuck this. You know, like I heard kids being like, you know, Susan and Nick are, gonna, are definitely going to be those high school sweethearts. I get married after high school. And I kept being like, fuck, no, I am <laughs> not going to stay in this little town. I am not going to marry the guy, the first guy I like have ever been in a serious relationship with. I'm going to go to college and I'm going to do something. Like I always had that feeling in me and it was partially because of my mom. And I think just like, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was just that natural, you know, that I had this like natural tendency to not want to, you know, not do more. I just always wanted to do more, you know? Was your, was your work, uh, life and financial life the same from when the way it was at 12 all the way through? So something changed at some point. Yeah. So at some point, um, well, the video store was like a good, so that was like my mom's first business that really worked out. Right. So that started doing really well. Um, and then she and my dad, my dad, um, used to be a cable in, uh, installer, right? Like he was the guy that would show up to, uh, you know, set up all your cable and stuff. And, um, my mom told him, you know, out in the country, especially back then you couldn't get cable. You could only get satellite. And my mom was like, you know what? We need to do this ourselves. Like instead of you being the, you know, like working for a company, let's become contractors for direct TV and dish satellite, start our own business. Um, and she make smart. this work out. My mom, my mom kept, yeah, she kept like really trying to hit on something was going to take. <laughs> oh my she was like, God. something is going to take. And, uh, and that worked out. So by the time I was in high school, we were like, we had come, we had gone from being, um, uh, you know, like really severely poor, like middle school, I was really poor. Like we were like trailer trash, like, like warming up our hot water for our baths, like all over like a wood stove poor. Like we were so poor. Um, to by the time I was in high school and my little sisters barely remember being poor. Um, by the time I was in high school, my parents were running like a pretty successful business. My mom had joined the forest service, um, and was doing like bookkeeping for them and everything. And so she had really just like, she like really worked hard to make our, our, you know, our situation a better situation. She was like constantly trying to make it better. Wow. So, and I feel like that entrepreneurial spirit, right? Like the fact that it was always these businesses and these ideas and it wasn't just like, well, I'll get a job at like the front desk and then I'll get, you know, the office administrator. It wasn't that growth. It was let's build something out of nothing. I mean, that, that for you makes so much sense with mixed makeup and your, you know, it's like, it's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Susan, that is so huge to have that kind of upbringing and to see that even when your mom started smaller businesses that didn't work out, she kept trying and she was brave enough to say, we're going to be the contractor for the cable companies. Like we're going to eliminate that middleman and we're going to be those people. I mean, that is so huge. Um, Wow. Yeah. This is really showing kind of where you end up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So so you're in college. (laughs) 
so you go yes. to college and you're studying communications and are you working while you're in school? Like when does the beauty aspect of your career begin that interest in that part? So, um, <clears throat> sorry. No worries. Um, so my, okay. So, um, senior year of high school, my mom was like, you should try one of those beauty pageants, you know, like you, you always wanted to, you know, perform and stuff. And I was like, mm, I don't know if I'm a beauty pageant girl, but I'll do it. Like, let's do it. So I, I ended up doing, um, this beauty pageant called Miss Junior America. It's like a really bootleg, like wannabe Miss America kind of program. Right? <laughs> I think there are a lot of those, like the TV shows that were like, everyone's like very dramatic and they're a mess and stuff. I think it's like these little pageant programs that somebody starts for profit. Right. Um, so I joined this, this pageant and, um, you know, like I ended up doing pretty well with it. I was like the runner up at the national pageant and stuff. And, um, and I was kind of like kept that in like my back pocket, like, okay, that was fun and everything. But I did it for my mom. Like now like check, she's happy. She's like proud of me, whatever. Um, and, uh, and I'd also, so the, it was really like senior year really like opened my eyes to the rest of the world because. Um, I also was like trying to get into every type of organization I could and stuff. So I had joined um, uh, like a vocational program called Business Professionals of America. Do you guys know what that program is? Wow, I don't even know if it no. exists anymore. Um, and I decided I was going to like try to run for national office, which means that like I would be like helping to put together like the national conference and stuff wow. uh, for freshman year of college and everything. Um, and I ended up doing well. I ended up like actually like, so I go off to like Philadelphia and I, you know, like do this whole like speech, like you basically have to campaign. Like if you're in like, it's like almost like a small, like political. Yes. I remember this now. Oh my gosh. Okay. So where do you go? How far do you get? So I became the national secretary of the organization. Um, and it really like this, wow. all of the, these like little like extracurricular things, like really like, let me know that if you put your mind to it, maybe you can actually do more outside of things. Um, I'm also at this point now dating a guy who's in the military. Uh, he, he was, um, a year older than me. So he was in the Marines and he was like, uh, he had already been there for a year. Um, and so right before I'm about to graduate, I'm kind of like, oh, I want to go live in North Carolina where he's based. You know, I want to go to school there. Um, oh God, like thinking about like all this, the times, like when I was younger, where I thought, I thought like a guy was so important, you know? We have all been there and that's why it is our responsibility to make sure yes. we share these stories with our daughters and yes. our sons. Yeah. And my mom, again, another voice is like the voice of reason and being like, these guys are not going to matter to you in the future. Right. Uh, and so, uh, so I started like looking into this. I like apply to like UNC and stuff and um, I start getting accepted, but I'm not getting scholarships or anything. And, you know, like even though we're middle income, we still really can't afford for me to go out of state. So I end up having to go in state and I'm really bummed about it because I'm not going to go see my boyfriend and all that. And I, uh, I end up like partying. I get a scholarship, by the way, to go to the University of New Mexico. And I end up partying away that scholarship. And, you know, yeah. Oh, no. I didn't what even realize there was something called away. academic probation. Oh, damn it. Yeah. So I like don't remember going to class really. Um, <laughs> and so they notify my mom that I basically got like, I think like a 1.8 GPA for my, fr my freshman, my first uh, uh, semester. semester. So my mom calls me up and she's like, you know, basically like, what the hell is this? They, they just took away your scholarship and we, I'm only going to pay for this next semester and you're on your own. So I have to get a job. 
have to figure my shit out. And I'm kind of like scrambling because I can't imagine going- I cannot believe this happened. I cannot believe I'm looking at someone that got a one point something in college. Like you guys don't understand. I know so many of you are listening right now because you're fans of Susan Yara. She told you about this podcast. Your mind is blown right now. But how is it possible that our overachiever, our like extremely successful Susan Yara got a one point something in college. Oh my God. And you didn't even know that you lost your scholarship. No, I, that's because I was only awake at night. <laughs> I mean. Okay. Yeah. So you have to figure your sh out. Yes. Completely. What does that mean? So, um, you know, when I, when I had competed at Miss Junior America, I had been in, been in touch after that with the Miss New Mexico state director. And she had said to me at the end of that, she was like, if you ever want to try for Miss America, for Miss New Mexico, give me a call. Um, because, you know, we're obviously always like, they're always like recruiting, right? Um, so I think about her. I'm like, Hmm. So I, mean, I can her. just do a pageant and win some scholarship money. Yeah. I need some cashish. I actually did two things. So I, uh, one of my friends was working at the local Fox affiliate. And, um, and so he got me a job as a, as a camera girl. I was literally in the news studio, like trying, you know, the big studio cameras. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if they still use those, but I was like, they was- do. <laughs> yep. They do. So I was like headphones. I looked kind of like you right now, Orly, like yeah. headphones. I was like, itty bitty, like this camera was like huge compared to me. And I'd have to like wheel it because I was camera number three. So I'd be on the news desk and then I'd have to wheel it around for the, the weather guy when he would like get off of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So I was getting paid like minimum wage to run the camera uh, in the evenings, which was so much fun for me because I, I wanted that job. Like I yeah. wanted to, at this point I was like, okay, I'm going to probably try to get into the news. I wanted to be like specifically an MTV news reporter, <laughs> which is yeah. such a like well at I the time it. at the time that was like Carson Daly oh yeah that yeah. Blew PRL. Up, yeah that blew up everyone's career anyone that you know that was the place so that makes perfect sense yeah so that's what I really wanted um so I was like going to school to be a MTV news reporter <laughs> Amazing. and um so I, I so I wanted that job but I was only making minimum wage so that was a job to like have as an in to the news station um, and then to actually, you know, make some scholarship money, I was, um, I actually got three jobs. Uh, well, no. Okay. So I had two jobs and then the pageant stuff. So I did that. And then I got a job at the local Aveda spa and salon. Mm. And so I was working the front desk with that. And I was also like, you know, part of the job was like to have to touch everybody up after they got their hair done. And so oh. I had no idea how to like, I didn't know anything about skincare. I didn't know much about makeup or, or hair or anything, but I would like everyone get their hair done. And then I'd be like, it was part of my job to be like, do you want me to do a little touch up for you? <laughs> right. So, wow. and you know, so for people listening, like I knew nothing, like I would sometimes put makeup on people and I'd be like, ah, oh, that did not look very good. <laughs> You're like putting lipstick on their lid. I wasn't that bad, but I definitely did not know what I was doing for a good portion of it. Oh my um, gosh. But I did learn a lot about beauty because the estheticians would, te- would tell me about like, you know, what they would do in the facials or, you know, like I was learning about hair. I was learning about makeup. I was learning about all the, all the products that they were selling at Aveda and everything. So I was doing that. I was working at the news station and then I decided to join the Miss New Mexico program. And um, I competed at Miss, uh, Miss Albuquerque, and I won. And so Whoa. it was like, phew, yeah. got some scholarship money, right? It wasn't a huge chunk, but it was enough. You know, I was a local student, so it wasn't like my tuition was very high. Yeah. Um, so I competed at Miss New Mexico, and I did 
such a bad job. I didn't even make it into the top 10. It was very like heartbreaking for me because I thought I was the shit at that point, right? Like I was like, okay, yeah. things are working out. Like, okay, I've got, you know, like screw the scholarship. I can do this and stuff. And, and then I like a lot of reality hit me that, you know, I, cause I definitely was not trying when I got to Miss New Mexico. I was mm. like, this is too easy, you know? And then when you get to like the actual state program, you realize these girls are serious. Like they have been doing this for years they want to go to Miss America. Like you cannot mess with them. You know what I'm realizing as like a thread with you? Mm -hmm. Like if it's, if it's easy or it's like given to you, it's like you squander it. Like the scholarship was almost too easy. So you were like, fuck it. Like, it's like, you need your back against a wall. You need to hustle. You need to fight for everything. And then you thrive. If it's easy, you're like, I'm out of here. You know, it's like, it's really <laughs> bored. Yeah. That that happened with school and that that happened with this pageant, you know, mm -hmm. that like, yeah, if it comes a little too easy, you check out. Yep. Completely. Completely. Wow. It's got to almost feel like a, a challenge, which is so terrible. It's a bad cycle to be in. No. So that, did that feeling make you want to try again? No. At that time I was like, like the, they don't know what they're talking. You know, like you're kind of like, like, fuck them. They yeah. don't know. They don't know talent. <laughs> Wait, what was your talent? Were you singing or dancing? Singing, now yeah, you've okay. Yeah. What did you sing? God, what was my first song? It was something stupid. It was like a Disney song or something. I can't oh. even think of what it was. And I remember the notes from the judges was like something less frivolous next time. Oh, I think it was like the song from Hercules. Oh, that's a good one, though. You yeah. should have sang God Bless America and ended with your hand right here. Just like a nice, tight <laughs> punch to the air. But like, listen, I, I really didn't try. And, and, you know, even though I thought I was the shit back then, you know, you learn, right? You, so then like a, a few months go by and I start looking back on it. And I think this is what happens to a lot of people, right? You start to realize like, maybe you shouldn't be so egotistical. Um, maybe you do need to try a little bit harder. Maybe you do need to put more work into it. And I had a lot of these kinds of lessons, especially the first couple of years of college, you know, and lessons with boys, like heartbreak and like, you know, they're not always that interested in you and you can't believe it. You know, like, yeah. wait, like what? I had sex with you and you're not interested in me afterwards. What? You know, like those, those lessons, yeah. right? Yeah. Been there. Um, oh yeah. Where you're like, he must've <laughs> lost my number. Cause like. <laughs> He's not who's in love not, with me. Who's not gonna call me back? Yeah, yeah. I remember literally this kid, my 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 um roommate in New York. I had five roommates in an apartment in New York, and one of the girls was from Australia, and her friend Poe was his name, came from Australia to visit. And I just was like, we like hit it off, and you know, I was like single and we hooked up. And then I remember when he left, we like exchanged info. He was going back to Australia, and I just I obviously didn't think we were gonna like see each other, but I thought like we were going to like stay in touch. And I like texted him this, like, like this easy, like, like, yo, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to like, you're going to text me back. And I literally never heard from him. And then I remember being like, ho, like question mark. And like, never heard anything. And I was like, excuse me. Like, I was so confused. Like I was literally like, wait a minute. Uh, I love that his name is Poe no. and none of us are ever going to forget this story. Me on the other hand was like, I'm not sleeping with anyone. I'm going to be the biggest CT short for cock tease. Like I'm not even going to give you the tongue. You can just freaking go home and handle it yourself and think of me. That's what, that's what you're going to do. Oh, um, but I, we'll, we'll share my story another time. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I wish I had been like that. 
so funny. No, I, I actually told my dad, because my parents are visiting, I told my dad, I said, I'm so glad that, you know, you would tell me all the things, but something my dad would always say is like, you're going to be such a heartbreaker. You know, guys are going to want to give you everything and you're never going to give them the time of your day because you're, you're just so focused on school brand and you're so this and so that. And so I remember as a little girl, when you don't even know what that means, I mean, eight years old, I would hear these things. And I told him, I said, I, I'm going to say those things to Millie, even yeah. when she's little and has no idea what being a heartbreaker is. I'm just going to say like, you're just too good. You're too focused. You're too excited. You have so many things to do um, because it did work. It totally worked yep. and then it became a game when I just you know so um yes, I like that I, that, that is too. some some advice I hope some people take out there I dig it I dig <laughs> it I like it okay so you you ended up kind of deciding okay maybe I shouldn't have handled that the way I did and you decide to go back into the pageant world again yeah so um so the following year I decide to compete again and I take it way more serious. Like I, you know, like get one of the women who, there are all these like volunteers in the Miss America program. They're, you know, like retired and they're obsessed with it and they can't wait to like, you know, like turn you into their project essentially. Mm -hmm. So I find a woman that I really love and she takes me under her, you know, under her wing and we start working on it and stuff. And I do a lot better that year, right? Like I make it into the top 10. I still don't make it into even like the top, five, I don't think that year. Um, and so I'm still, I'm like a little crushed because this time I tried hard. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm not like as mad about it. I'm more sad about it. Cause then I knew mm. I really tried hard. Uh, so, you know, I remember the, I remember the Miss New Mexico director being like, but you'll come back and you'll, you know, like you'll keep coming back and doing it again. And eventually you will make it. And I remember being like, I'm never doing this shit again. Um, uh, so I took a year off. So the next year I actually don't do it. And, um, and I, you know, start to really focus on being in the news. So I start really like moving up the ranks at this news station that I was working at. I start to work on the assignment desk. I start to even go out and like do some field producing and stuff while I'm in college. Um, and so I really start to think like, okay, the news, like that is what I'm going to be doing. Um, and then I like sometime around, I think it's like junior year of college. I decide I'm going to go spend a year in Spain doing like their exchange program. Wow. And, so um, cool. yeah, I was so excited about it. And the day before, the day before I'm about to leave, um, my mom gets into a terrible car accident, like oh. rolls her Explorer, gets ejected from the, oh. from the car, breaks her neck. Oh my like, God. She, she, it's like oh, I just got the terrible. And I get the call from the hospital being oh like, you need to get gosh. here. You need to call your dad ASAP. You need to get here ASAP. Your mom's been in a terrible accident, that kind of thing. And it was like, what? Like I'm over here. Life just like, stops. I, yeah. Like everything stops. Like I was literally about to, you know, like I, the last thing I remembered that morning was I was still passed out when my mom was leaving and she came in, she like dropped like an envelope on my chest. And she was like, here's your like registration money that you need to go drop off at the school for your trip. Um, I'm going to go into the city and I'll be right back. That kind of thing. And in that period of time, she got into this car accident. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and so everything changes suddenly, no more trip to Spain. And you know, like I'd recruited like four of my girlfriends to go with me on this trip too. So all of them are like, what? Like you're not coming. What? And so my girlfriends end up going on this trip, but I'm, I'm here. My mom is in the hospital. Um, and so like everything kind of changes, right? Like I don't even know if I'm going to go back to school. We don't know if my mom's going to come too. She's in critical condition. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm going to just stick around. So my mom ends up being in the hospital for months. Um, and, uh, and so at that, like somewhere in like the second week of it or something, I realized I was going to probably have to just like get a job, 
because uh, I had obviously at this point like quit my jobs because I was going to go spend a year in Spain. And um, so I get a job and I am like <laughs> working as a waitress all over again. I remember feeling like very defeated because I just quit all of like my news job and everything that I had going and had to, had to like pick up a job. And I, it's not like I could even go get those jobs back because my mom was in a different city because I was in Albuquerque in school. My mom was like, uh, the hospital she was at was in wow. Santa Fe. Um, so she's in the hospital. I'm like just trying to work and figure things out and everything. And we spend like almost like a good, like base, basically the year, like trying to rebuild. She eventually like wakes up a few months later from like, she was like in a coma and then like didn't know oh who we were. God. It was really, really bad. Oh my God. I cannot yeah. imagine. And like, you know, like there, there's just like so much that suddenly gets like put on me and my dad. Right. Because we don't know, like my mom was like the heart of all of it. Right. Like she was yeah. the person like working, running the businesses. Um, you know, like she was even paying, you know, like she was paying for my car. Like, you know, like there were all these things that we just didn't even know what to do. We didn't know, like, we had to like pick it all up. Right. And figure things out. Um, and so, so that was like a big like growth moment for me in my life. And, you know, at some point my mom was like, you know, when she finally like came to and she was like probably a year out and I was just about to, uh, I was basically like just about to finish college. And my mom goes, why don't you go to Spain for the summer? You know, like she felt bad again. Like she, my mom was always like, right. Like she, she starts to always feel bad about like, this is kind of a trend with my mom now, now that I think about it. Like she, she felt really bad that I didn't get to go spend that year in Spain. So she's like, go for the summer before you graduate college. Um, and so I ended up going to Spain for a summer and just like loving it, having a good time. Um, and then I come back and I'm like, oh God, I've got this like last semester to finish in school and I don't have a job anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do. I was like on this like right track to be in the news. Um, and and I just didn't have anything. So, um, so I start to apply for like a, a master's program in lots of different places. And, uh, <laughs> and then that eventually like led me to New York city, um, where I took, I actually stayed on for school a little bit longer, um, for like a whole other semester. So I could take on an internship at MTV. You got the internship at MTV. Okay. What? Yeah. And is your, is your pageant career done at this point? Done. I was so over it. I was like, I'm this never going to go back. So how old are you when you moved to New York? 22. Okay. So college is done at this point and you no. move? No. Well, the college last semester, right? Done, oh. But, but uh, in order to take the internship. So I fly out. Uh, one of my girlfriends was uh, going to Syracuse. And she's like, you should do the master's program here if you want to be a journalist and stuff. Um, they've got like the best program. You need to come out here, come check out the school, do an interview here and all that stuff. So I get an interview at Syracuse and I fly out there. Um, and, uh, this is like kind of rounding out like the end of my last semester of school. And she, and so we, you know, like I go and do all that stuff. I toured the school and everything. I'm not sure, whatever. And we're at a bar that night. It's like one o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, do you always go to the city? And she's like, the city is far. Like, really? Actually, like, do you not look at maps? You know, <laughs> like, uh -huh. you know, Syracuse is far from New York city. And I was like, I can't believe you haven't been to the city and you live in New York. And so we hop into our car and we drive down to New York City and we spend 24 hours there. We go to a, a comedy club and they sit us like next to, a, you know, another couple and stuff. It's like way pre-COVID, right? <laughs> like we're <laughs> yeah. sitting next to people we don't know at all. And uh, before the comedy show is about to start, um, the woman sitting next to me, uh, we just start talking and I tell her like why I'm, you know, I'm like so excited. 
yeah. like, I'm here, you know, like I'm a communications major and I think I'm going to do the master's program at Syracuse or something. And we decided to just drive down to New York city for 24 hours to just experience it. And she's like, Oh, I, I do HR at MTV. I'm not lying. Stop I'm it. Lying. Oh, yes. this only happens back then. Like this, yes. this doesn't happen. These, these stories only happen like 10 years ago. And I'm like, I want to be an MTV news reporter, but I don't say that. <laughs> oh my God. What are the chances? This is so great. Yeah. So then you get an internship through her. I get it. She's MTV. like, send me your resume, all that kind of stuff. If you, you know, if you're going to stay on for another semester, we can bring you in. It's not a paid internship, but you yeah. know, you'll get the experience of working at MTV. So of course I take it. So I, I actually um, take on a bunch of uh, uh, student loans. To do this because New York City is expensive. Yeah. Um, you know, like my parents are doing better, but they're, they're not like, you know, this, is, this isn't something they're, they're going to fund, right? Yeah. And so um, I take out, I, I decide to do a semester, but the semester is truly just to have an internship. I'm not taking classes anymore or anything like that. And um, one thing that really stood out to me at the news station was there was this crotchety news anchor who I'd always try to like, I would always be bothering, bothering him and asking him for advice. I'm like, how to become a news reporter? How do I become a news anchor? And one day he goes, uh, you know, like this was in the middle of like September 11th, right? Um, when oh. like there is news coverage changes forever, right? Yeah. And I'm working at the news station and he's stressed out and I'm over here just bugging him, right? He like hated me. And he says to me, you know what? I don't see any of you young kids, you know, trying to offer up your help right now when we're slammed at the news stations and we obviously like need people to help us and stuff. I don't see anybody stepping up. He's like, you want some advice? Why don't you call up a news station and tell them you'd work for free? Wow. So I get the call. I get the internship at MTV and I call Done. up this news station um, right before I moved to New York. And I say to them, this news station is called News 12. And I say to them, um, I'm going to be doing an internship at MTV. I have, you know, experience on the news desk and stuff, and I'm willing to work for free. And I remember it's, she's just like an admin assistant, right? She's like, um, all right, I'll take your information. I'll give it to the news director. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. I'm like, this woman probably thought I was so fucking crazy, right? Like who calls up and says they'll work for free. So I moved to New York. Um, uh, I'm, and like I said, I'm like 22 at this point. And I, um, I tell her, um, so I, I start working at MTV and then I get a call and we have phones at this point. It's not that old. So I get a call and it is that admin assistant at the news station. And she's like, Hey, so are you still willing to work for free? And I was like, yeah, of course. So they bring me in for an interview at the news station and I start working on the, on the assignment desk at News 12. So on the weekends, I would work on the assignment desk at News 12 for free. It wasn't even an internship. It was like, they literally, I so don't illegal. think this stuff happen now. No, yeah. no illegal. You can't even yeah. intern for free. No, not anymore. And, uh, and then on the weekdays, Monday through Friday, I would intern at MTV. And so I got to learn a lot about like producing at MTV. I, I you know, I had, um, uh, one of the supervisors at MTV was amazing. I'm still really good friends with him. His name is Brian Ives. Um, he took me under his wing there. And it was because I was doing this whole like knock on all the doors. Cause yeah. otherwise all the interns would just sit in this room and like, you know, like mess around mm -hmm. essentially and like transcribe shit. And so I started like knocking on doors to offices and I'd be like, hi, I, I have experience doing this on the news desk and this and like, I had like a, like a, basically a script, I would say. Really and finally smart. this guy, Brian was like, come, come along with us. Like you can come on set with us a few times and you can come to the, you know, like the edit houses with us and stuff and start learning. Um, 
So I really got a lot of hands-on experience and I just thought I'm never going to do pageants again. I really like thought that was way behind me. Um, so, you know, great semester in New York city. And I'm, I'm thinking like I'm a shoe in to be a news reporter at news 12. Like I, like everyone knew why I was there, why I was working for free. Mm-hmm. They saw what I was doing. They knew I wanted to be a news reporter. Like there was no yeah. doubt about it. Right. Um, so the last week of my internship, the news director brings me in and he's like, so tell me what you like, what your plans are and stuff. And I'm like, this is the moment he's going to yeah. offer me a job. Right. And I tell him, um, oh, I'm thinking about, thinking about like, you know, I don't know, like if I go back to New Mexico and the news director, I know the, the Miss New Mexico director had gotten in touch with me, um, right at that point. And she was like, this is, you're almost like to age out. Like, are you sure you're never going to do Miss New Mexico again? And so it's like in the back of my mind, but I really don't think I'm going to do it. But I happened to mention it to him thinking like, he's going to think this is cool. Right. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know if I go back home, I guess I'll, maybe I'll compete like for Miss New Mexico or something. Cause I'm about to age out. And he freaks out. He's like, I didn't know you do pageants and you're one of those girls. And he's like, I thought you were a serious reporter. <clears throat> oh my God, stop oh, it. No. Yeah. He's like, I thought you were a serious reporter. I didn't know that you, you know, like all those pageants are just about what you can do for Max Factor. He really said Max Factor. Max Factor. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. And I'm like crushed. He basically shoes me out of his office. Like no job offer, nothing. And I'm like, wow. So everything ends. My internship ends. I don't go back to the news station and I have to go home to New Mexico. And it's, I'm just like crushed. So I decided, yeah, here we are again. And so I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? So I decided I'm going to do the Miss New Mexico program. Not because I, uh, you know, not because I feel like I want to do it, but because I have nothing else to do. And now that I took out all those student loans, I have to pay them back somehow. And your, back's, your back's against a wall. There you thrive. There she goes. Let me guess. The four point crown is yours. <laughs> Stop. Elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist. Take your hand and blow a kiss. World peace. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so how does that end? Well, Bringing it back to my childhood, and, like, <laughs> being mixed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kept you guys on way past. No, we're going to have to do a two-parter. That's it. I, we're gonna... I can't wait to do a two-parter for <laughs> we're sure. We're doing marriage and motherhood and mixed makeup. All the M's is part two. That's it. <laughs> okay. This is too good a story. I mean, your life, story, your life story is really too good to cut short. So why the hell would we? All right. Thank you, ladies. Um, so I... Uh, um, I send, I, I cannot shake it. Like the thought that that guy, like I thought I had that job and I really worked hard to get that job at the, as a news reporter. And the fact that he shoved me out of his office because I told him I was potentially going to compete at Miss America or well, Miss New Mexico, right? Really weighed on me. Like I could not handle it, right? I would sit around all day at home and I'd be like, I can't believe what happened. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, like there was this picture I had um, where when I'd competed that second time at Miss New, at Miss New Mexico, where my two nieces, um, they walked up to me, not nieces, my two uh, cousins. So my cousin's daughters, right? They're young. They're like maybe five at the time. One of them looks very Hispanic. One of them looks super white, right? She's like blonde. And then I've got like my brunette cousin and I've got my crown on um, because I was like the Miss like Albuquerque kind of girl. Mm -hmm. So I have like a small crown on. Right. And I, and I'm wearing like a gown, I've got all this makeup on and stuff. And they take this picture with me 
and it's sitting up on my parents' wall. And I like, I'm like looking at it, I keep looking at this picture. And then I decide I'm going to write a letter to the news director and just give him a piece of my mind. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like, yes. As, so when you're telling this story, Susan, I'm like, have I ever been in a situation where I just like think about what someone said over and over? I don't know if I have. Really? Oh, I have. Gosh, like it bothered you that much. Bothered me. Bothered me. I could not believe wow. because I said, mostly because he, uh, you know, like there was this whole stigma around the Miss America. Like people don't realize also Miss America isn't, it's a scholarship program, right? And so it's not about getting a modeling contract. It's not like, it's all about. You have a whole, yeah, you have a whole community service platform. Yeah, you have to have exactly. a talent, totally yeah. contribute to your community. Yeah. And there are all these women that come out of it that are very successful, you know, smart, just brilliant women that come out of the Miss America program. And um, so it, it just bothered me. It bothered me so much. And I can't believe I found myself like after all of that at home in this little itty bitty town. And my dad's like, you're going to go outside and dig up a fence with me, you know, like that's what I'm back yeah. at. Right. And so I sent him this letter and I like the gist of the letter. I wish I would have taken it. I would have had the foresight to take a picture of this. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I basically, the gist of the letter was that, you know, when I was a little girl, I experienced all of this bullying and nobody understood me. I would watch television and there would be no one like me on TV, right? Nobody mixed, nobody Asian, you know, like even like in college, when I'd say I'd want to be a news reporter, the only person they could say was Connie Chung. Oh, like Connie Chung, just because she's the only Asian you can think of that's a news yeah. anchor, right? Like that's who I, you know, it was either Christy Yamaguchi or Connie Chung. That's mm -hmm. all I ever got. Like those mm -hmm. are the only two people they could like compare me to, right? Yeah. And, um, and so I say this to him, I'm like, you know, I can't wait to live in a world where strong willed women who are smart and go-getters can do, can go, can be not just considered smart, but also feel sexy and be proud to feel beautiful for who they are and who they represent. And I hope I can be that person for my two little cousins. And I made copies of that picture for my two oh. little cousins who are growing up in a world where they will be considered different. Right. And I put that picture in there and I send it off to him. I luckily never said, fuck you at the very end of it <laughs> because yeah, Fast forward a few weeks and I'm at the Miss New Mexico program, the pageant, right? Getting ready to compete. It's Friday. Like it's a two day competition. It's Friday and Saturday. Getting ready to compete. I'm not there to win. I'm just there to like get some scholarship money. If I make it in the top three, I'll, I'll get some money. It'll help me pay off these loans and I'll move on with my life, right? Um, I get a call that Friday morning and it's the news director. And he's like, I know. I'm like, I'm like shaking when I get the call. I'm like, oh my God. Cause I know it's him. It's a New York number. You know, it's also, like. Also, where was your pageant mom to have your phone? Because she should not have let you take a phone call before interview. I'm competing like, at Miss New Mexico. So she, so it wasn't that serious yet. Right. And I was also kind of like. Um, no, a state title holder is absolutely serious. Oh my well, God. Who cares? Yeah. What did he yeah. say? <laughs> <laughs> you spazzes. Shut up. What does he say? Oh my God. He okay, says, okay. I got your letter and I thought about it and you're right. And I'd like to offer you a job to be a news reporter at the news station. And when can you come back to New York city? Oh my God. I'm going to cry. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So of course I don't tell him I'm at Miss New Mexico though, because like, I de I'm definitely not going to, I'm not going to like, like do that again. You learned right? that mistake. Yeah. No. 
So I like, I accept the job. I'm like, sure. I will be on a plane like next week. I am yours. Like going back to, to New York. Right. So I'm competing just to compete at this point. Right. Like I'm there, I'm going to get some scholarship like, money. We're good. Going right? back to New York. Yeah. And I am Woo! Like, I, I don't care. If I go out there and perform well, great. If I don't, whatever. Interview, I got this shit. Like, I can say whatever I want because I don't care if I win, right? And um, oh. I remember, you know, and I know, like, at this point, I know, like, I'm probably going to make it in the top three because I've worked, I, like, know the system. There's, like, kind of like a, you know, there's, like, a formula to it and stuff. So I know, like, I can probably make it into the top three and I'll be good. Um, so I'm just, like, good enough, right? Where I'm, like, like staying yeah. on track enough, but like being sassy enough too and everything. And it comes down to me and this one girl. And there's a picture. You guys can Google this. It's the worst I've picture. seen it. <laughs> I'm literally using the Google machine as we speak. What am I um, searching? Susan Yara there and? Is a, Susan Yara, Miss New Mexico. Okay. I think is like all you need to type in. You'll, you'll see the picture. Um, it's me, down to me and this girl on stage. This girl's career pageant girl. Yes, that's the picture. Yep. Oh <laughs> right. The look on my face, you guys, is all of the culmination of this, right? To me and this girl, she has been competing for five years straight. She thinks this is hers. I think this title is hers, right? Like she has done everything she's supposed to do to be Miss New Mexico. It's like a movie. She's, they, they go, first runner up is. And you don't want your name. You don't want to hear your name. You don't, don't want to hear, hear your name. name. Don't I hear just your took name. a job. I'm going to New York to do what I wanted to do. My dreams are coming true, right? But I'm saying a real pageant girl that doesn't have a job lined up. You're like, oh, right. You don't, don't want to say my name. name. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to say my name. Don't, don't start with a B. Don't start with the S. Yeah. I think I'm going to be miss, like first runner up. And I'm yeah. cool with that. That's like exactly first runner up. Sue. No. And they go, am, well, I don't want to say her yeah. name because yeah. like, okay, let's leave her out of the story. And that picture that you guys see online is the picture of me going, oh my God, I'm the winner. And she's going, oh my God, she's the winner. Like that, uh, like that yep. is literally what yep. that picture is. It because is. In my mind, I'm going, oh shit, I'm going to have to go tell the news director who just offered me a job that I actually cannot take the job because I just became Miss New Mexico and I don't know what I'm about to do. It's like, I can't too much going on in my head at that moment. Oh, what a pity you became Miss New Mexico. What amazing opportunity and experience. Oh my God. But it is, it, isn't it such a, a amazing lesson that it is in those moments when we like, really, it's like your self-worth is so high because you don't need this thing. There's no desperation. There's no dog paddling. There's no, like, trying, trying, trying. It's like you stand in your worth so strong, and that's just everyone gravitates towards that. It always is that thing in life when you don't need it, and all of a sudden, there it comes because you're just, you're complete without it. You don't yep. need it. And, and also, then of course, I think... Wow. I think a theme that we talk about too on momhood is expectation. You know, you had already planned out everything that you were going to do. You had just gotten the phone call. You were like, nope, I already have this plan. I don't need this. And of course, life happens. Yep. Yep. So apparently I'm the first uh, Miss New Mexico winner to say, can I think about this? <laughs> oh my God. I love they were pissed. So <gasps> I love oh that so my much. Gosh. Yeah. So, so I the night the following week. So I pay, basically said to them, I just took this job. I have to go. I have to go in person and explain this to this guy because he was pissed at me for yeah. even thinking about being in the pageants. I got to go explain to him. Um, so I fly out to New York the following week. I tell him I won Miss New Mexico, and I'm like bracing myself. And he goes, 
we're going to hold this job for you. <laughs> yes, awesome. he held the job. He wow. does? Yep, he held the job for me. When was the Miss New, Next, New Mexico pageant? So How that many was months in did he have June. to hold it? It was in June. Um, the Miss America pageant was in September that year. And basically the deal was, if you win, obviously we'll wait for you to be Miss America. Like then he'd be like proud, right? Like, oh, she's yeah. Miss America. Um, but if you don't win, you have to come right back. Like starting October, you are a news reporter. No more talk of this pageant shit was essentially what he said to me. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, sounds good. So. I mean, I, I mean, what are we going to do? We can't, I'm we can't the turn time. the page. We can't turn the page. We have to pause. This is like when the book is so good, yeah. you have to pause. Momhood, we have to pause this story because yeah. we're like just now getting good. Like we haven't even moved to LA. I mean, who's your husband? We don't know. I mean, Brandy, what I'm did obsessed. We I'm obsessed. And I, and I now I need you to, so my parents are visiting. I want to interview my parents. You need to interview your parents, Susan, yes. your mom. Um, oh my God. I love this. This is so good. I mean, we're going to make you, we're going to make you, we're putting you on the spot right now. Can we do a part two? Yeah. I'd love okay. it. I love well, it. I'm, yeah. Well, we need to do a part two soon because I don't want to wait like I know. weeks and weeks to hear part two. <laughs> so we'll, I know. we'll figure out the date. Oh my God. <laughs> we will. Okay. Uh, I mean, holy shit. There's so much, but let's just, since we're going to wrap this particular part up, give a quick, a quick thing on just where they, where they can find you for where you're currently at. Just all the handles, all the websites, your YouTube channel, which is so insanely successful. All those things real quick um, um, for anyone that doesn't have it. So uh, my personal stuff is all just my name, Susan Yara, Susan, S-U-S-A-N-Y-A-R-A. -S <laughs> and then my YouTube channel uh, is Mixed Makeup. So everything is Mixed Makeup across social. And it's so good. You do like three, sometimes four videos a week. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, my, I do one a week and my brain wants to explode. I don't know how you, how you do that. Yeah, I mean, you but you're, you're crap. Like the things that you put together, I'm always like, mind blown. I can't oh. believe you made that. Well, thank you. But you guys, if you don't follow her on YouTube, go do that now. She has, you know, almost one and a half million followers, hugely successful, such good content. So interesting. Same as all of her, all of her socials. So make sure that you guys follow her. If you are meeting Susan through momhood and you didn't already follow her beforehand, and then we promise you a perfectly wrapped part two that brings it all home, baby. And she also is the co-host, co-creator of FAM Podcast. So I'm going to make sure that we put the link below in the description because we also were on that podcast. So if you guys just need a little something to get you through the week until you hear the rest, listen to that because it's an entire conversation um, with all of us, including Sharzad Kiade, yes. her co-host. Um, oh my gosh, I can't wait. Guys, and if you are not part of our Instagram community, our Facebook community, find us. All of the links are below at Momhood Show on Instagram. Search Momhood on Facebook. And then if you are not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. And of course, write a review. That is so helpful, especially for people right now that are listening to Momhood for the first time through Susan. Read those reviews um, and you'll get kind of a glimpse into how our conversations and how our podcasts go. Susan, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Gosh. you. It's fun. This I don't really so talk fun. about my background. Well, thank it, does it feel like therapy? <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Yeah. You start to connect the dots, man. So, so cool. Thank you for all your time, guys. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. And uh, Susan, we'll start stalking you with dates ASAP. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye guys.